0: It is just past 7 o'clock, and it's time for Ira on Sports, 95.9, the true oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo, and Ira, you got to be a little exhausted, right? I mean, this was one of the biggest sports weekends ever, ever. We had a lot to process and break down here on a Monday.
1: (laughs) Oh, I am exhausted, but I, I just, the whole week I kept saying, I can't wait to do my show. I want to do seven days a week. I mean, I think what's it's not just, there was so much sports. It was historic nature and NBA finals to have LeBron win his fourth title and to come back much closer Mm -hmm. to Jordan like something that we're going to be talking about for years and years and years and 20 years since he retired that he won that fourth title and and how I was rooting for the Heat but they just couldn't do it and the series got closer. Then you have baseball and now this Dodger team that we're going to see tonight come out, it could be one of the greatest teams ever and Kershaw, his chance to cement his legacy as being one of the greatest regular season pitchers but now really his chance to cement to become the all-time great to win the World Series finally for the Dodgers. They've been knocking on the door for the last four years and then you have the nfl and you have brady and next week brady and rogers going at it watching patrick Mahomes lose this weekend but just Crazy. seeing everything that's happening with the nfl the excitement with the nfl and then college football one crazy game after another just a, just a, and without Penn State playing I'm like watching these games one after another <laughs> so you had all that going and then you run to Djokovic Nadal the two greatest tennis players besides Federer to trying not just to see who's going to win the French Open but who's going to be the greatest player of all time playing that match for that and then to throw in the Formula 1 Lewis Hamilton tied Michael Schumacher for the greatest race car driver of all time so it's just like not just a lot of things to watch but just so many epic type of things that are going to be historical in nature yeah
0: this wasn't a bunch of exhibition games <laughs> this was no. the real deal here in October which is just never happened before. Um, Like I said, we got so much to talk about, so let's get right into it. We do have a new NBA champion, and it's not necessarily the team that a lot of people in South Florida wanted, but congratulations anyways to the Lakers and to LeBron James.
1: Yes, very, very depressed. And it was like one of those games. I, I had a feeling going into last night's game. I said it's either going to be – the Heat are going to get blown out, or the Heat are <laughs> going to get up to a lead, and then the and I, I just didn't think it was going to be a close game. I thought after the last couple of games being very, very close, uh, you, you literally had two nail biters, and I just felt that this this game wasn't going to be close. And I just, but it, 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 first quarter was over. I mean, and then, yes. it, it, it's torture. Like when you're watching your team that you're rooting for, and it's over. I people say, oh, would you rather lose by a last second shot or just be blown out, be down thirty in the first half? Just the worst. It was the second biggest deficit in the history of the NBA final. Crazy. I mean, there's no way they were going to come back. And then to hear Van, Jeff Van Gundy talk about uh, Alex Caruso's wedding and how he does <laughs> fixes his hotel room. And, I mean, the worst broadcasting. It's torture to listen to ABC broadcast these finals. Mark Jackson and Jeff. I hope Mark Jackson gets a coaching job I because I say. don't want to hear him anymore. <laughs> I hope both of those guys are coaches because I can't stand them broadcasting games anymore. But just terrible I mean, just devastated for the Heat. It's so close. And it's someone it's like – it's like, and I I was thinking they could do it. I really felt they could make this happen and uh, just came up
0: short. Regardless, they went much further than most people gave them credit for. I don't think anybody would have put them here, um, you know, at the beginning of the season. So you got to be happy and encouraged if you're a Heat fan. Let's go back to game four, uh, pick it up there. And what's this about a Carl Jr. And- <laughs>
1: well, I just – I, you know, it's so funny. You watch these commercials, you see the same ad, and it seemed like it just – the whole, I just love the, the ads for the food. I mean, they, they I must have put, the, the, the Carl's Jr. and Hardee's seemed to be, or Arby's, would put a million things <laughs> on their food. And you're like watching these commercials and you're supposed to see these great athletes perform. And it's just, they have a hamburger that has 5,000 calories. And I just think it's just, <laughs> it was funny to see all those ads. But the point is, it was 102-96 Lakers in game four. And. I felt that was the game. The more I think yeah. about it, I felt that if the Heat could have won this game, Bam's back in the starting lineup. They just had the big win with the week, you know the two games before with Tyler Hero playing well. And in this case, I mean, the Lakers didn't. I mean, Hero did not play well. You could tell from the beginning he was off. And Bam was playing okay. And it was like 27-22 in the first quarter. And Butler was doing that 11 points and, 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 and seemed to be on. And then it started the second uh, second quarter. The Heat went on this 11-2 run. And Gadala did whatever we expect him to do. And Adebayo was, was off, was tremendous. And then James had five of his nine turnovers. Like, that was what was, what was shocking was that in that game, the, the, the Lakers, even the whole playoffs, just kept turning the ball over, turning the ball over. And, uh, and then it was like 49-47 Lakers at the half. And then, then in the second half, second, third quarter, I mean, just uh, LeBron just was awful, not shooting well, the turnovers. Um, but then what happened was that even at the end of the third quarter, I felt like every time they needed... You know, they were using Kendrick Nunn at the point guard, but it's like they have Nunn and Hero, and they just seem to make mistakes when it counted. Like, he cut the deficit to 71-70 at the end of the third. But then just two bad plays in a row, they turn the ball over, then Bam gets his fourth foul. Mm -hmm. I think if Drogic was in the game, they don't make those mistakes. It's You're asking so much for Nunn even to play those 15, 20 minutes, and Hero to play those minutes to handle the ball. And Butler just couldn't handle the ball the entire time. And then in the fourth quarter, it was like, it was tied at eighty three eighty 80 83-83, 85-85. And uh, uh, then with four minutes to go, Hero got this you know shot. They took the lead. It was just like, I was so excited. But it was, like, amazing that the Heat could potentially pull that on. But... There was this, uh, Kendall Caldwell Pope got that big layup, and, uh, and then what happened is that Rondo drove. There was, Duncan, Duncan Robinson played bad defense, and then the point is that, you know, here there was AD had to hit a three and was all over at that point. LeBron ended, but it was close. I mean, I think they were, they were in that game at it's the end. a winnable game. Winnable, totally winnable game. I mean, LeBron had six turnovers at 28 points. Uh, but, you know, Danny Green, now he was the goat of game five, or the goat meaning the bad player, not the goodest <laughs> of all time. Four for eight at 10 points. Pope had 15 points. And I said, those, the key was that the, 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 uh, the Complimentary. The Jordan errors that they called it with Jordan, the Morrises and the Kuzmas and the Caruso's. but they still had 25 points and they killed the Heat on the bench. And that was like oh, so frustrating in terms of what happened. Uh, Hero ended up t- with 21 points, Duncan Robinson 17 points, and Bam came back, played well, at 15 points and seven boards. But uh, the Heat, I, I, one of the key things was shooting those threes, only 11 for 32. Lakers were 14 for 39, and they were close on the rebounding. But to lose that game and then to go down 3 1, that was a game where I felt like it was make a 2 2. Two, stayed in the game. That was going to be key. And you know, LeBron said that was his biggest game. It was funny. So LeBron was the, probably the biggest game I've ever. One of the biggest games besides a Game sevens that I've ever played. Mm-hmm. I was shocked that he made a comment because he knew that if they
0: go three one, it's going to be impossible for them to come back. And uh, it did prove to end up being uh, true eventually. Uh, Seven o nine, Iron Sports, True Oldies Channel. So let's go to uh, Game Five here. Because- one of
1: one of the most. Epic games (laughs) you could imagine. And it's like one of those games that just, if you could have had game five, game six, game seven, people would be talking about the series forever. And And it really was one of those games where Jimmy Butler had... One of the greatest performances you could imagine. I mean, at the, at the Wade level, LeBron level, but the fact that LeBron played great and Butler played great, and the teams were playing awesome. I mean, that was what it was really. It was just all about in terms of it happening, and uh, you could saw that the Heat really they shortened their bench. They had Iguodala and Nunn in, and they didn't use the Linux almost the entire game, and then they had Jimmy Butler guarding Anthony Davis instead, and and Davis was doing nothing really in the game. He was a mess, of course, and uh, but it's, but in terms of the Heat were up 25, 24 after one. Uh, None. This is where Kendrick Nunn with the speed suddenly it's like he seems slow in games four, game five. It's like this is what the Kendrick Nunn was. You know, he Remember, he finished second for the rookie of the year. Yeah.
0: It's exactly how he should have played. No, exactly. He, it, and it's, I think, it, you know, it. it you said that this will be the difference that we need the the Dragic types just because they're more dependable. And that since, you know, none being so young, it's you kind of didn't know what you were going to get from him night to night. And that's a little too risky for me as you get deep in the NBA finals, Ira. Yeah. And, you know, the fun thing was, it was like, I just, it
1: felt like the, the Lakers were going to get blown out. But this is where LeBron was tremendous. I mean, you know how much I love Jordan better than LeBron, but boy, <laughs> did he keep them. I mean, they were doing nothing, but he just kept draining threes. He was three for four from threes. I mean, just, it's like that one of those Jordan games where he's just shooting threes. And And he's, like, way far out there. Like, oh, you're going to give LeBron that shot. But he was just making them. Without LeBron making those threes, they would have been – it wouldn't have been close. Mm. None was great that first half. He had 11 points, 2 assists. And James had 21 points, and Butler had 22 – in the first half, Butler had 22 points, 6 rebounds, and 6 assists. And then in the third quarter, um, there was that one foul where uh, uh, I felt like, you know, where Dwight Howard had that that, uh, intentional foul – on Butler. Butler got the dunk, then he got the free throw and the ball. And then Robinson drained a three. It was like a six point play. So it was like, wow, I mean, the Heat are really dominating this game. They're up 88 82. Then they went up 91 82. And you're like, okay, they're going to cruise on. But it was just uh, the Heat started turning the ball over in the fourth quarter. The pressure started getting to them. And that was like, it was almost like, boy, the, 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 like the Lakers were saying, okay, here was your chance. Now we're going to pull it back. And I loved how Butler, that was the key thing, was that. At three minutes to go in the game, 101-99, he was on, he took up the lead with Robinson's shot. Then LeBron hits his two free throws. Butler comes down. And Butler, but it, was, it was classic basketball because they were just hitting two-point shots, not just take, taking stupid shots like a lot of the NBA does. And it was like Butler from James and Butler and James and Butler again. And they're all hitting their free throws. I mean, Butler was like 16 for 16 for the foul line. And then the key thing came, when Butler was fouled, he went and took the lead 107-106 hitting those free throws with 46 to go. And then LeBron got trapped down. It was neat. I watched this play like 10 times when Duncan Robinson came down, Adebayo came down, and he throws it out to uh, to Pope. Davis gets the, you know, oh, they took the lead at 108-107, but then the, the key one was when he went, he got trapped there, mm-hmm. threw it out, and Danny Green misses the shot to win the game. And the people are saying, well, we shouldn't have passed it, he was trapped. But the what I like with the Heat were doing was they were getting LeBron underneath the basket, pushing him out, and really not giving him, when he goes right like that, supposedly he shoots like 10%. The Heat knows that, Spolster knew that, mm-hmm. and this were able to stop them. But Everything. I mean, Butler was hitting the shots, and LeBron was hitting shots. I mean, it was one of the greatest. Butler had 47 minutes of the game. He's had, uh, he had 35 points. He had 12 for 12 for the free throw. 12 rebounds, 11 assists, and uh, James had 40 points, 13 boards, 7 assists, and 3 steals. Just a tremendous
0: back-and-forth game, and, and Butler hitting every big shot. Yeah, talk about um, you know your, your two stars kind of taking the teams on their back when they needed it most. We uh, you know we needed it really bad last night, and this was going to be um, the end of, of the Heat season. Yeah, I mean, I think what
1: you get, you're at that level of three two, and you're thinking what could happen. And then, like I was sitting, okay, get my notes in here, and and the, the key move. If, Frank Vogel, who's the coach of the Lakers, gets absolutely no credit whatsoever. I can't think of a guy who's mm. won a championship that nobody's like, <laughs> like they don't even talk about him. And yeah. and we know when, with Phil Jackson, it's hard to coach these players. It's hard to coach the situation. But he made the move. He brought in Howard before it wasn't working to White Howard. So this time he brings in Alex Caruso uh, and try to get some speed and. Goran Dragic was activated for the Heat. And I just feel that the Heat just were not ready to go. And my mom... They I look give, sluggish. They look sluggish. I give my mom credit because they've been playing seven guys. You saw Butler was exhausted from the previous game and maybe go to Linux. Linux hadn't played the entire game before. It hadn't really been playing the last two games. They needed some, fra- they didn't really make any changes and the lead just got, I mean, it was just the first quarter it was 28-20. Uh, the Lakers were shooting 55%, the Heat shooting 40% and the only thing that, that helped the Heat was they were four for eight from threes and the Lakers were one for eight from three and they were getting completely out-rebounded. I'm thinking this could be, this. They, were getting, they were the Lakers went small and mm-hmm. were out-rebounding the Heat. Bam looked lost. Bam was not just turning the ball over, just not missing. How many times did they the heat in that game through a game uh, six, missed the easy shots like right around the basket, and you're like, those count, those are really important. Then they put Rondo in for the Lakers too, and then that whole second quarter was just. It just was layup line in terms. Heat was missing everything. It it seemed like there were like seven or eight times he went down, didn't score. The Lakers scored. The league got to be sixty four thirty six, the second largest deficit ever in the NBA Finals. And at that point, the game was completely over. There's no way. I mean, I can the, the 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 final score was one hundred six ninety three, but they were completely blown out of the game, and they were just it was just junk the whole first the
0: whole second half really. No, and, and I know a lot of fans kind of felt like you know like you like so dejected once they went down by thirty. Five. it was just like how did this happen from the last game to this one what's different and that was what it was to me is that they just looked slower I don't know if they were exhausted or just weren't mentally prepared but it wasn't the same team because I think that's where we get back
1: to games four I think if they win game four make it 2-2 two, two, then they can win that game five and go up three two. Then they can then they put the pressure. Maybe they suffer that one bad loss and then just give them in a game yeah. seven. But not getting him in that when they go three one, it was just too hard. You knew there was probably gonna be one. The Lakers had one of those games and they were gonna knock him out and they knocked him out and LeBron played LeBron played great. I mean he was he, you know, I just, again, we, the discussion is who's the best player on the team, Davis or LeBron? Who's going to win the the uh, NBA, the finals MVP? Clearly it was yeah. LeBron. I mean, Davis was terrible the last three games, and and LeBron carried the team. And it gave him his fourth title and his fourth uh, NBA Finals and Jordan at six. And now the entire debate for the rest of our lives are going to be Jordan, LeBron, Jordan, LeBron, back and forth in terms of it. Now, this, I'll say for one thing for LeBron. He is he is separating himself from that other tier. Like there's the Jordan tier, which everybody puts either one or two. But then there's that Wilt, uh, Chamberlain, Bill Russell, uh, Jerry West, uh, Magic, Magic, Kobe yeah. up in that level, and 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 uh, and Kareem. And he's sort of now separating from I that. Think so. And now he's in that second level. I always call him the instead of the GOAT, the S GOAT, the second greatest <laughs> player of all time. My friends who love LeBron were upset about that. But he then he goes in his speech, he goes, No one gives me respect. I want respect. I you know, so he's he knows what it's at. And now I think if you're a Laker fan, you're like, Oh my gosh, we get more parts. I mean, they went in this finals and everybody thought they were gonna pick the Clippers. Everyone, you know, I think this it everything fueled LeBron. The fact that he didn't win the MVP to Giannis upset him. The fact that everyone thought Kawhi was gonna beat him, upset him him and mm-hmm. you can see he just is so good. I mean, that's why he is great and that's why Jordan was great and that's why he is the second best player of all time but not the greatest. But for the Heat, <laughs> I mean, it is like I just don't want them to get yawn. Like, I feel the Heat are closer than... I know they look closer than they lost 4-2, but everyone keeps saying they need another player, then another player, then another player, all this... They might need a, another big man, like a Josh Allen for the Nets, a center who can come in. But I don't think Giannis is the answer. Like, I want to see Hero develop. I want to see Nun develop. I want to see Duncan Robinson develop. They can get better. They're only in the early 20s. Like, they can make these yeah. next steps. And if they can grow and develop under the Heat system, which gets everybody gets better. Everybody improves. A play, young player goes to the Heat mostly, except Justice Winslow. They all improve. <laughs> I would think that the Heat can be take that next step. But but I think a lot depends on you know, how they are able to. And I just don't think quote bringing in another superstar because I don't think Jimmy Butler works well with another superstar. He doesn't. I think he works to be the man and he's going to be the superstar on this team and he likes being the superstar. So I don't think Giannis is the answer even if Giannis wants to play. I don't think it messes I think it it, it doesn't work.
0: So it'll be interesting to see where the Heat go. I think they're a lot closer than everyone else thinks they are. Well, I, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be the team going, you know, one of the favorites. I know Milwaukee already is. Vegas already released the line. They're the favorites to win the East. But there's no reason that the Heat shouldn't be. This team is complete and I, I agree with you. This is Jimmy Butler's team. We don't need another. We don't need a Giannis. We don't need a, another superstar. Let Jimmy Butler run this with the guys he's he's been going with because they look good. And then you see how, again,
1: the development of Hero, Robinson, and Nunn. Uh, you know, Drogic will be back. I mean, he's a free agent, but they can bring him back. They bring Crowder back, too. They, they're under the cap because they're, they don't have the only butlers. They're only, quote, mm-hmm. they're losing salary, but they have they could potentially, and I just think that's the key. If Tyler Hero can develop into an all-star, and Bam can take that next Bam level, is, yeah, right. And Bam could, and, and Bam looks at what he did in the NBA Finals, and he was hurt, and how he can develop more. There's so much more that uh, just, uh, just such room. They're not like an old team that is like, oh, this was their last chance. They're a young team that's on the upswing, and it, it, it might take this loss. I mean, remember Jordan lost games before he won the finals. These teams, the so history, the, yeah, <laughs> the history of the NBA, right, is losing before you winning. Last year's Toronto team was very weird. I mean, Golden State never made it to the finals and lost, but they had lost into the playoffs before. Curry and Thompson didn't just emerge on the scene and start winning titles. You have to have these losses to develop the strength in terms of building a team. Toronto was just the weird uh, off team last year in terms of that was put together. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. Like, I wish the season, I mean, I, I just wish it's, I'm sad it's over and uh, I'm ready for next year.
0: 719 Ira on Sports True Oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo, let's go to the NFL Ira. And I got to tell you, it's been really difficult for me to keep up with all these scheduling changes, especially as a fantasy player like me and you. It, you you got to be glued to this because you just don't know what's going to happen. They've been moving games all around. But tonight's Monday night matchup is going to be the Chargers taking on the Saints. And I think this one's going to be a little bit closer than Vegas thinks, Ira. Well, the Saints are seven points favorite,
1: but remember, no Michael Thomas this game, and this time their star wide receiver, the best wide receiver in football, is because he punched um, a safety. Um, idea. Yeah, he punched Chauncey Gardner Johnson, a defensive back from Florida. So there's a there's this tension. I mean, you saw. With the Saints, with the whole national anthem and Drew Brees controversy, and that might have carried over. And Michael Thomas gets hurt that first game, and he hasn't been part of that. And it's just the the Saints aren't the Saints, and the Chargers with Justin Herbert. This is a chance for the whole country to see what is Justin Herbert, how great the the quarterback from Oregon. Um, So I'm pumped to see how this game is. It's going to be really interesting. Chargers are one and three. If they want to, they can't fall to. This is almost literally a must-win for both these teams. Saints are two and two, and Chargers are one and three. Saints want to stay in it. They got to go three and two. If they lose this game at home, it looks bad. And I think the Chargers, um, you know, if they, they go one and four, they're out. Yeah. So they have to. So I think it's it's going to be exciting to see that. Now remember, we're going to say, well, where's the Patriots game? Well, that was moved <laughs> until next Sunday. You know, and everyone moved. I don't want to don't want to go into the whole schedules, but there was no other game. But tomorrow is another huge game: Buffalo at Tennessee, both undefeated.
0: Yeah, and uh, we haven't seen Tennessee in a while, and they've had a lot of issues <laughs> internally uh, dealing with COVID. I think. Well, for tonight, I'll take the, the seven points with the Chargers. I think we're going to see Justin Herbert look good. Um, Talking about tomorrow, though, I I don't know about this one, Ira. I think this is tricky, but I'm going to lean Buffalo here because I think Josh Allen is that good. You've got to almost
1: think that Buffalo is going to blow them out because Tennessee hasn't really practiced. They haven't been in their facilities. Uh, I know their offense is They're Australia's practicing illegally, illegally, at illegally parks. in parks. Illegally in parks <laughs> and getting in trouble. I mean, this is... you got to think that the Buffalo... Uh, this, is, this, is a, this is another coming out party for Buffalo. We keep talking about Buffalo. Is this? I think they're totally legit. Um, they've been playing a lot of their games at 1 o'clock. Nobody watches them. Now this a chance to be in primetime will see Josh Allen. Now watch him have a terrible game with four receptions and we've been talking him <laughs> up. But I think it's fun. I mean, I don't remember an NBA NFL game be on Tuesday night, ever. I don't know my entire life if they've ever played on a Tuesday night no, before.
0: Not, not in my lifetime, that's so, for sure. I'm pumped for that. I do, think it's great. Do you think that there was any semi-collusion with the NFL moving New England on purpose just to get Cam Newton back in there after we saw Hoyer and Stidham look just completely inept behind that team? Well, we're going to jump back.
1: We're jumping back to last yeah. Monday night's game because I wanted to talk about it for a second is that we spent like the whole offseason when Belichick saying, I'm happy with Jared Stidham, my quarterback. I'm happy with Brian Hoyer, my quarterback. We don't need any other thing. And then they signed Candice in the last minute. Well, now we see now why they needed. it. I mean, they played the perfect game against Patrick Mahomes and defensively did everything right everything. and just could not get any offense going. Hoyer was terrible. Stidham was terrible. They were both awful. they're not the future. Clearly, it's it's Cam Newton. So it, that's I wanted to mention that game because it was just shows. And now Brian Hoyer now has lost eleven straight games you know, <laughs> over three years. He's played as a ba- you know back of roles, but he's a lot. I mean, so they're really not the answer of that team. If, if the Patriots want to do anything,
0: if Cam Newton comes back and say he has a, you know another great game, they get a big win next week. How long do you think it takes them to get him an extension? Because he's on a <laughs> one year deal. I mean, they gotta get this guy under contract if if they think that he's the he's the man. And I'd be happy you know if it happens sooner than later. Um, let's go to Green Bay in Atlanta because this one uh, sent a lot of people packing in the Atlanta front office.
1: Well, that, it was, it got, it. They, it, I think the moving trucks got called in because that was, they, they lost that game and then they were fired this week. But, I mean, there's this, this Aaron Rodgers, uh, there's two players for the MVP. It's Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, uh, and Patrick Mahomes. So I mm-hmm. guess those three. But Aaron Rodgers comes in this game. He's missing Adams. He's missing Lazard. He's missing his top three, really three wide receivers. He it doesn't care. He can bring anyone. He can say uh, someone from the stands to come, and he looks. This is the this is vit, this is not vintage Aaron Rodgers. This might be the best Aaron Rodgers yeah. has ever played. And just a, a twenty-seven to thirty-three, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, three hundred twenty-seven yards. Uh, it was just he was just tremendous he, for the year. He's thirteen touchdowns, zero interceptions, seventy-one percent completion percentage, and only three sacks. This looks like like high school numbers, like a high school quarterback plays mm-hmm. like Aaron Rodgers. And and what I mentioned this is that next week we have that big game. Uh, he's going to be at Tampa Bay, so you get. Brady versus Rodgers, two of the people they consider the two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So that'll be exciting, even though I feel Rodgers is from his – Winning levels factors only won one Super Bowl isn't, but there's a lot of people too. So it'll be exciting to see that game because Rogers is playing at the highest level at Tampa. And uh they're gonna have that game at four o'clock prime time. Not prime time, but the only game actually next Sunday
0: at four besides the Dolphin game that are gonna be on. So hundred percent of America mm-hmm. is gonna see the game at four o'clock. So speaking of Tampa, they played on Thursday, and you know, you're looking at all these analysts, and every single person is taking Tampa, laying the points, blah, blah, blah. And what do you know, Nick Foles does what Nick Foles does and beats Tom Brady again. Well, when you see Nick Foles play like that, the question
1: you have is why in the world, like, what how like and you watch Carson Wentz I watch the Steelers game it's like I just would have kept Nick Foles I think he's better than Wentz and I think he's a better quarterback and he just knows how to win he knows how to make the plays knows how to extend the plays doesn't take the bad sacks and it was it was just that and then Brady made that you know he came down he led that drive down to score now the mistake was they they gave them time at the end of the game the fact that Brady had that minute and 40 seconds he's driving down there's a fourth down play he throws down the field doesn't get the first you know then he said oh then the confusion was he thought it was third down not fourth down if he knew it was third down he would have checked off, and then everybody's saying he's lost his marbles now because he did that. I mean, it, it, <laughs> it was very unBrady. It was very, it was, like it was one of the yeah. Because then you see, his respect to do that, but I guess this Foles is his kryptonite. But the question for Eagles fans is, we they should have kept Foles, and then maybe Jacksonville should have kept Foles. But if Foles gets no respect, and then the fact that he goes to Chicago and they put Trubisky in again, it's like no one gives Foles credit. He just keeps winning all these games. But the Bears now are have one loss, so they're
0: they're doing fantastic. You're not a huge social media guy. I- but you should have seen some of the memes, like Photoshopping J.R. Smith's face on Brady and having LeBron like, what are you doing? We're out of <laughs> A lot of funny stuff came of uh, Tom Brady's gaffe uh, last week. Um, let's talk about, so I, I, I usually sit and watch the Red Zone channel for hours, and I didn't have access to the Red Zone channel this week, and I'm looking at the bottom line, Ira, and every three minutes, it seems like when the score comes around, Miami scored another touchdown. Nobody saw this game coming.
1: Congrats to the Dolphins. Ryan Fitzpatrick, boy, when he can pull these games off. I mean, he was totally on 22 for 28, 350 yards, three touchdowns. And so, in San Francisco, just having trouble. I mean, they've had those two wins against the Giants and Jets. This is in San Francisco, and Jimmy G was so bad. He came back from his injury, but he was pulled from a game. So here's yeah. a guy that takes a team that you pay hundreds of millions of dollars to, was actually, how many times you ever see pulled from a football game? Very like, great. Right. When, when for CJ Beathard. For CJ <laughs> Beathard. But I got to give the Dolphins, I mean, first of all, Byron Jones. Byron Jones must be one of the greatest defensive players of all time because you see when he's not playing at the Cowboys, what's happening in the Cowboys defense in it's the so, secondary. And day. He comes to the Dolphins and him and Xavier Howard suddenly shut down San Francisco. So you got to get Byron Jones. I mean, Byron Jones doesn't have this... He's not like Stephen Gilbert. He's not viewed as one of these elite, super elite corners mm-hmm. or whatever. But he's he taken him off Cowboys, and they're awful. Put them on the Dolphins, and they're good. Sort of like Mika Fitzpatrick, you know, for the Steelers. <laughs> one one thing around. But the point is that was – and uh, it looks like the Dolphins are getting things going. I mean, they started they – they, they put Robert Hunt, who they drafted, and the offense They fixed that. Uh, Gaskin ran well. Uh, and Mike Gusecki, who I've always loved for being a Penn State fan, he had a 70-yard <laughs> to catch. And it seems like Fitzpatrick works, moves the ball around as much as I like Devontae Parker and wants him to – throw the balls to him, but Preston Williams played well, Gasicki played well, uh, Fitzpatrick knows, and and I think they're going to keep Fitzpatrick there, as long as you don't have two or three losses in a row, and before two it gets in, and the players seem to love Fitzpatrick, I mean, they love him, I mean, his yeah. face you saw that with Tampa too, I mean, he's like a type of guy that everyone rallies around, and uh, the Dolphins next week, look, they have their schedules pretty easy, they go and play the Jets next week, what if they go three and three, and remember, there's three wild cards this year, not two, there's a way I mean, if the Dolphins could sneak in and get that last wild
0: cart that's insane no one ever thought that no nobody would have ever picked that i picked them to win seven games i thought there were a seven game uh, seven win team thought they could get to eight i like their improvements and speaking of improving mike joseki does get better every game I mean, <laughs> this is one of the, the lone good draft picks out of this team in the last five years so they they hit on him um you want to know <laughs> the dolphins play the jets next week they're eight point favorites right now the last time the, Dol- the dolphins had a, a covered an eight point spread was 18 years ago just goes to show how how often they're not favored by that much. But also just crazy. It's been almost two decades since that's happened. Who and was I, the
1: I wonder who the quarterback
0: was? It was Ricky Williams was running. Oh, it might have been Pennington? No, that not 18. No, years they're ago. probably running the Wildcat and having Ricky just handle the ball multiple times time. <laughs> but crazy how long ago that was. But I, I think they'll do it this week because the Jets are just that bad. Um, let's go to the Giants in Dallas. And this game, the the score isn't what's important here. It's Dak Prescott's health. And uh, you know, we're all sad and even myself being a Giants fan, nobody wants to see that. Poor guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a bad injury on the ankle. Now the one thing is he in the he was turned down, and his ankle was a complete fracture of the ankle. But it was supposedly it was very clean, and it was like one of those things where. You know, if he would have tore his knee, he would have been out a lot longer. So yeah. he's going to be out for the rest of the year. He's not going to come back. But the fact is that it's one of those injuries that they feel – I mean, it's not as bad as Gordon Hayward's injury was in basketball for the Celtics. They think that – that's why they operated on immediately. There was no uh, swelling. And people are saying, look, he's going to be back playing in six weeks, six months. So as terrible as for Dak. Now the issue is, oh, the contract. He should have – this contract. Uh, yeah, I, we've said before that the Dallas had $120 million guaranteed money on the table, $35 million a year, and he didn't – and he didn't take it. And I thought that was a mistake. I'm like, you play a rough game, and you don't, and he played on a one-year contract this year. So I thought it was a mistake that he's not going to play. I mean, clearly, it looks like he's just going to recover. He's going to throw. it will be fine. Now, the question is that Dallas made a great move with bringing Andy Dalton in as the yep. backup, who was the quarterback for Cincinnati. Dalton came in, played. He was 9 for 11, 111 yards, uh, and ended up uh, leaving them to the win against the Giants. Now, it's not like a major accomplishment to <laughs> Thanks, the Giants, but <laughs> but the point is that was at least they didn't throw away that game. So that was uh, that was key. I mean, Dallas is now 2-3. Because if that but even if Dallas went one and four, they'd still be in first place or would get half a game behind in the division, which is the worst division maybe in the history of football. But it, could uh, be. <laughs> but it it's gonna be interesting to see Dalton play on this team because he has a lot. The problem he had with Cincinnati is he didn't have wide receivers, didn't have weapons. Yeah. Now he has, has, has weapons everywhere. I think Andy Dalton is gonna fit in there. And again, in this game also, look what they were down 17-3. Dak had a, a had a pick six almost interception, and you know, they get off of these slow starts and he puts up these monster numbers because because Dak puts his team in a hole every single game. And that's why I'm not high on I don't feel Dak Prescott is, is an elite quarterback in the league because you just can't be down losing every single game by two touchdowns.
0: Yeah, I mean, he, he does put up the stats, but it's because they're trailing and the defense is so bad. They're always coming from behind. I, I think if Andy Dalton comes in, Ira, say they go – Three games over five hundred, win the division, which isn't too hard. Andy Dalton could play himself into a starting job somewhere again. Like you said, he he was coming from one of the worst front franchises in the league. Now he's got some weapons. I, Andy Dalton could be, you know, on the way to revitalizing revitalizing his career. He's only thirty two years old. He's not thirty nine. He's not. He's mm-hmm. a younger player.
1: I, that's why I think I, it was a great signing by the Cowboys. He's also from Dallas, so it's going to be enthusiastic yeah. for him to play there. But uh, wow, I mean, that was really a great pickup because usually, you know, you're, you lose your look. What the Steelers did last year. They lost Ben, and their season just fell apart. It was a joke. Now you have a guy, Andy Dalton,
0: who's won, uh, I don't know, 100 games in the NFL, and he knows what he's doing. Absolutely. 731, Ira on Sports, true oldies channel. So, Ira, we were texting last night, and is Russell Wilson just not the most incredible football player that I can remember, Ira? And we know, you know, Tom Brady's the GOAT. He's got all the hardware, but there's nobody in the league who's and I want the ball at the end of the game to win the game for me like I do with Russell Wilson. Well, I mean it was just
1: Seattle during the game they were out they were out gained 449 yards to 314 they were out first down 30, 31 to 18 Getting totally destroyed. I mean, the Seattle's defense is a mess. They're getting blown yeah. out. And then the Seattle's defense makes one stop at 26-21. Minnesota's running the clock out. They're down to like the six yard line. Instead of kicking a field goal going up eight, they're like, let's get our one, let's get the one inch, that they don't get. And then Russell Wilson gets it with a minute 45 to go. And you're like, they're gonna win. Like you just knew in and, and he went on it was a fourth and ten on the twenty three. He threw to DJ Metcalf for 38 yards, and then fourth and goal from the six with six seconds to go. And he throws the ball at him. Like, I didn't know where, who caught it, but you're like, he probably scored. Like, this guy, (laughs) at the end of the game, is just money to win these games. Just tremendous passing, how he runs those four. He is the... I honestly believe he's the best quarterback I've ever seen at the end of the game in terms of with yeah. the ball because he can move his feet, move out of the pocket. He's accurate. And now with his D.J. Metcalf, he finally has wide receivers. And Metcalf is from Mississippi. Everybody knows the story. I just love that sort of him when he just is the, he's like an Adonis. And he went Monster. in to, to an interview with Carroll. And he and they were doing the interview. And he had his shirt off. And Pete Carroll, took the coach of the Seattle, took his shirt off, too. And uh, Wilson said, look, we were training the whole uh, COVID shutdown. We were training together. I love this guy plus you have Tyler Locker then you have Moore also the wide receiver Carson's running well I really think that Wilson now has this offense that he likes and it was shocking that he off to a a slow start against the Vikings but you know now they're one of the favorites to go to the Super Bowl and Wilson and Rodgers are going to be battling I think Wilson Rodgers and Mahomes will be battling for the MVP
0: so I watched speaking of Mahomes watched every snap of the Kansas City and Vegas game yesterday and I, I, I agree with you in a sense that they just look so lackadaisical sometimes. Like, they just – it doesn't look like a team that won a Super Bowl last year. I'm not taking anything away KC from looks, Vegas. KC looks – Yeah, they look, they, they look lazy. Yeah, exactly, lazy, lackadaisical. Vegas, I'm not taking anything away from them. That, that's a huge win, and they did everything right, but this just doesn't look like a team that is supposedly these world beaters. They could step up to the competition in a Baltimore, then they'll play down to anyone else. Well, I mean, Kansas City gives up these big plays. I mean, it seems like, yeah, against Baltimore, they didn't give up the big plays.
1: Against Vegas, Vegas had Ruggs, had that 72-yard put- touchdown catch. Aguilar had a 67-yard play, and Renfro had a 42-yard play. Mm-hmm. When you're giving up three plays over, 40, over 50, almost 50 yards in a game, it's a mess. I mean, Kansas City's defense is a mess, and they just feel like it's. I heard a good commentator say it's like they almost feel like. And it's almost Seattle like to some extent. It's like, oh, Patrick Mahomes will figure out a way to win the game. He's gonna come back. And he almost did. I mean yeah, they were almost. down. It's like one of those teams where they were down sixteen and everybody was leaving the bar, like was watching this bar outside, and it was great to watch all these games on the road. And everybody's leaving. I'm like, you don't leave with Patrick Mahomes down anything. Like he'll figure a way Because yeah. he scores in a second. They come back, they get the ball, and he's almost a chance there to, to win it. And uh, and if they didn't they never got the ball back. I mean the Raiders that's where the Raiders decided the Vikings didn't, which is they held onto the ball, didn't give him a chance to get that ball again. But you know, I think it's a wake-up call for Kansas City. Maybe they were—I don't know. You know, they're going to lose some games. I mean, this is a team. That's why the playoffs, but they they went down to Tennessee again. They, they, they are a lackadaisical team in terms of how they play, and they just wait for Mahomes to come back and win it for them.
0: Yeah, and it's it's a division matchup. I think it, um they had won the last eight. So they're due. It's been five years since Vegas uh, got a win on them, or Oakland, L.A., where they were over the last five years. But, uh, you know, so congratulations to them. Uh, They looked pretty good. So, uh, Ira, is it going to happen again? I mean, we talk on the show about how Pittsburgh is just – uncanny at drafting wide receivers. I don't know how they do it, but they just every every wide receiver they draft turns into a superstar. And here's Chase Claypool, who was not really mentioned among this, you know, mega draft of wide receivers, goes out and has a four touchdown game yesterday. It's it's incredible.
1: He had more touchdowns than any uh any uh, rookie. It was the best rookie wide receiver game in the history of the Steelers. Yeah. And and I was shocked that the Steelers started out they're 4-0 now. As the first time since 1979. That's, weird. that's like when they last when they won the Super Bowls in the in this I mean that's crazy. I can't yes. believe that they waited this long to run. But Claypool when they drafted him, I'm like, ah, I don't know. We have a lot of wide receivers. I don't know if we need him. I wasn't impressed with them in Notre Dame. But he is so perfect because what he did was they did a reverse with him. They can use him at every position. He is he reminds me of a bigger Heinz Ward because they actually he he blocks well. Like he's he's not a tight end, but he's fast. He has every skill in the world. And DeAndre Johnson got hurt and they and he's better than Juju, really, because Juju drops balls, but Claypool, he dropped one too. I remember that game, but Claypool was able to go deep and he has great hands and just he blocks it runs and seven catches 110 yards uh and and I, the defense was terrible. I mean, Steelers defense was not did not come to play at all. This was not mm. the Steeler defense that I was used to. And because Travis Fulgham, another wide receiver, th- this wide receiver for the for the Eagles, in August 9th, he was weighed by the Lions. In August 10th, he was claimed by the Packers. August 19th, weighed by the Packers. <laughs> August 20th, claimed by the Eagles. August 4th, he catches the game-winning touchdown. And then August 11th, 10 catches, 150 yards, and one touchdown. I mean, from Old Dominion, totally undrafted. And he walked on an Old Dominion, and it's just taking advantage of opportunities. And what they have to do. But for the Steelers' perspective... I mean, they gave it the 74-yard touchdown run to Miles Sanders, uh, but they're 4-0. The Eagles are terrible, and Chase Claypool. And then, when we talked about this last week, I like the fact of just sitting there watching the Steelers play. That Ben just throws to whoever's open. If Eric Ebron, their yep. tight end's open, they throw it to him. He doesn't feel like he's forcing it to anybody from Juju. He doesn't feel like the need to force the ball to any person. They don't have a Lavian Bell that they have to get the ball to. They don't have to keep everybody happy. There's it's just score, and and the, and the Steelers now you know scored over 30 points. It was good. So at that that point, look, I like the fact the Steelers, I'm not saying they're guaranteed to be the Super Bowl, but being 4-0 and there are only two other teams that are undefeated in the league, that's pretty good.
0: So your boy Deontay Johnson killing me in fantasy. This guy can't make it through the first quarter, (laughs) Ira. A (laughs) couple of weeks in a row now. Uh, Let's move on to the Rams and Washington. And Rams are kind of a sneaky team here at 4-1. They have been beating up on the NFC East and the Jets, but still you got to win the games on your schedule. But the real highlight of this game was Alex Smith Back on the field, something I thought I would never see again. Yeah, I mean, Google go on your if so you have that
1: channel where you can go. So Alex Smith, the ESPN did a like two, three hour special about how two years ago he broke his right leg. Right, yeah, they almost had to ampute, die, yeah. amputate his leg. The question was he could walk again? And now two years later, he's back playing. When they called him the game, like I knew he was back on the team, but I didn't think he was gonna play. No. And they didn't start Haskins, and Haskins didn't show up because he wasn't feeling well at the game, Dwayne Haskins, and they had Kyle Allen start watching. That was what dead. they said that
0: he wasn't feeling well. Well, well he said he wasn't <laughs>
1: feeling well, but they said it wasn't COVID, but he wasn't feeling well, so he wasn't at the game and they expected him to be traded, which is, uh, but the, Kyle and work was a quarterback in uh, Carolina for Rivera, but I mean, still, whatever they did, they only gained 100 yards for the entire game and only 10 first downs, but when Smith comes in the game, how about this? You bring Alex Smith in the game and he's going against Aaron Donald and the Rams and then he got sacked like five times, so like the first, like it was on the second play, Aaron Donald jumps on his back, yeah. literally is on top of his back and knocks and you're like, wow, and, and Smith was able to hold him up there. I'm like, what? Just tremendous. I mean, Alex Smith. They showed his family there. What a comeback story. I mean, Alex Smith. If you remember, was at San Francisco. Left there. Went to Kansas City. Was a star before Mahomes. I mean, has had a distinguished career and then got that just gruesome, gruesome injury. And you see that people just you know don't ever come back. I mean, Joe Theismann said he can't even walk right mm-hmm. after a similar type of, of injury. And uh, the fact that he's able to come back and do this, what an inspiration
0: uh, for you? Hear Aaron Donald was on the sideline and got caught saying, "Man, that guy's legs fine."
1: <laughs> <laughs> after I heard, he I, his- well. I, I heard that he he did ask Smith. He goes, "Are you Smith?" And he go, and Smith was nice to him and say, "Yeah, thanks for telling me." Whatever. Like this, so it wasn't like he wasn't, oh, it was, was
0: be facetious. Yes, it was. They were, it, it, was, was yeah, it was all good. Yeah. if you could keep me on your back, that lets that, yeah, it, that like, was a all test. right. <laughs> um, Cincy and Baltimore. We knew what to expect here in Baltimore. I knew they were going to be on a war path a little bit too, and it showed. Yeah, I mean, it was. I, I, I'm, I'm confused about
1: Cincinnati because I like Joe Burrow and I'm just expecting a little bit more. But I was watching that. I'm watching all those games. And, and again, it's one of these games where Baltimore, you know, just 27-3, to 3, total domination, gets out to a 22-touchdown lead. I mean, it's like Baltimore's kryptonite has to be uh, K- uh, Kansas City and I, hopefully the Steelers. We'll see when we play them. But Baltimore looks great. I mean, he gives, And it's interesting. Lamar Jackson, you heard, heard rumors during the week he didn't practice. He was hurt. And he only ran the ball two times. But just another – they don't need him to run the ball – it was a good win for them because, actually, he only carried the ball two times, but he passed for 100, 100 yards, two touchdowns, and had that easy win.
0: Absolutely, they did, and um, this was another one. You, they, were, you, they think they overheard A.J. Green saying he wants to be traded on the sideline <laughs> during the game, so not good there. Jacksonville and Houston, Bill O'Brien's out the door, and Houston's in the win column.
1: Yeah, I mean, that the, the, the Romeo Cornell comes in and has that great win. I, I like Jacksonville. You know, Jacksonville is so young. They have uh, – Chenault is a, is a rookie wide receiver from Baylor. Yeah. James Robinson, their running back they picked up out of Northern Illinois who's playing great. Minshew, I mean, they have just a great young team, and they're, they're fun to watch, and they keep losing. And I just hope – you know, like, they're a team that you just – they seem to play really hard, and I like Jacksonville and I like watching
0: them play. Ira, what is it going to take – for Adam Gase to get fired, another awful loss as Arizona rolls the Jets. I, I don't know. I, and it, maybe he should switch with Aaron
1: Boone, I mean, for the Yankees, <laughs> because I think they both are, I mean, I just the disaster. And, and Adam Gase, it just, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. The Jets and the Giants, I mean, they have both not have won in New
0: York and then the Yankees. I mean, New York is is falling apart. Um, Carolina and Atlanta, and this was the game that finally did it in for Dan Quinn as Atlanta just looks listless, uh, you know, like a, a ship with no rudder. It's not good.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, one of those teams where you have Matt Ryan, who you're paying $35 million to. You have Ridley, Julio Jones. You seem to have this type of team that's going to be a superstar team. And it all happened in that Super Bowl when they were leading 28-3 over the Patriots. And I think that's – Dan Quinn is – Literally a, a, a first down away, <laughs> like in the entire second half from winning the Super Bowl. And you would have thought that if they win that Super Bowl, that probably would have him. He win a Super Bowl, it sort of buys you at least five years. Oh, yeah. And I think that's losing that game, then set everything in motion for them to fall apart. So
0: another sneaky team here at 4 1 is Cleveland, and they're doing everything right by keeping the ball out of Baker Mayfield's hands, for lack of a better way to put it, but they can run the ball, they got some tricks, and they're looking good.
1: Yeah, I think the th- interesting thing is that the Colts aren't as good as people think they were going to be. They're 3-2, and two, but they look bad, and Rivers threw the two interceptions, and the Browns sort of, after that first game, have righted the ship and now are playing much better, and, and now you have a division of the Ravens. This is what people thought, like, two years ago. Remember when it was the, the the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Browns were like, boy, this is the greatest division? Yeah. You finally have that. You have those <laughs> three teams that all should be three of the top teams in the AFC. 7.42, Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel. So how's he standing, shaking up? Well, right now, I just think that, I mean, the Bills are 4-0, the Steelers are 4-0, Tennessee's 4-0. Um, seven teams make the playoffs, and the teams that are out really are uh, the Broncos, Chargers, Jacksonville, Texans, Bengals, and Jets. It's really going to be like six teams for three spots in the AFC. The NFC... Everything's wide open to make the playoffs, but you've got to think it's just either Green Bay, Seattle, or Tampa. Can't really make a case for anyone. The Rams, I can't make a case for anyone else in that. And next week, the two big games, Cleveland at Pittsburgh and, of course, uh, Green Bay at Tampa Bay. And then Monday night, they're going to have two games, Casey at Buffalo and Arizona at Dallas. That's next Monday night.
0: Let's go to college football because this was a Saturday to be remembered, Ira. You were loving it.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Florida, the headline in the paper was on, on the SEC, it seems like the Big 12 has broken out. Uh, uh, just no defense, uh, horrendous defenses the entire game. And Florida, which is you're so excited for this year, and it's going to be so great to have this loss. I mean, they come in the game number four against Texas A&M at Texas A&M. And to lose that game, and your offense doesn't get – they literally didn't get stopped the entire game. They, they, they At one point, they had the ball three times, uh, and they scored three touchdowns. They started sticking out the same thing. And uh, I put this down. Each team had five touchdowns, On uh, each team had the ball seven times. They had five touchdowns, a fumble, and two field – one team had two field goals, one a field goal, and that was the difference of the game. And Trask, four touchdowns, uh, 300, 300 yards. They just couldn't stop them. And the and the fun. They had one fumble. At the end of the game, Florida had the ball, turned the ball over. That was the fumble. The Texas AM and came down, kicked a field goal, won the game. And then Dan Mullen complains is that the fans are too loud. At Texas AM. and we need to have full house for our game when we play. And it's like <laughs> don't, I don't blame think, that. No, I mean it's like just get some defense. I mean just play better defense. This you cannot. I'm waiting for the SEC teams. Now the good thing for Dan Mullen is that nobody in the SEC seems, seems to be playing defense except if you're playing Vanderbilt or something like that, or even now Mississippi State. But uh, just a, you know, one of the just a bad loss for florida a chance for them to really step up and now this week florida has to play lsu lsu is one and three florida's two and one florida loses that game they're two and two i mean it's just you don't want to put yourself in a position when you were literally playing for the college football playoff and now you're going
0: to be two and two yeah, absolutely um speaking of lsu they said they were going to turn everything around they were getting uh get back on the right page and that didn't happen against... well we know
1: from harrison our intern who's yeah. at missouri so he was covering the game there, and. I talk about defenses. I, I, it was just unbelievable. It was the worst. The tackling was crazy. I, I don't even know what both teams were doing. I mean, I understand when Missouri has bad defense, but LSU, I mean, these are players that people think are NFL ready. Yeah. Like, people have to be getting their draft stock. I mean, who, I couldn't draft anybody on that team. They just could not tackle them. I mean, it was just a disaster all the way around. Missouri wins 45 41, and uh, they, LSU couldn't even run the ball. They had 49 yards rushing for the game. And That LSU had a chance to win the game. So Missouri doesn't play defense the entire game. LSU gets the ball down. It's 45 41. They come right down to like the, what it was like, the two yard line, and they do two quick runs with the the clock is running out. They do two quick runs. They can't score. Then they do two pass plays and can't score. They couldn't even get a yard and score the touchdown. What a, just a terrible loss for LSU. Um, Their defense is terrible. They got their offense going, but this is just, I mean, to give up 45 points to Missouri, it just, the, is, it's off the rails.
0: So Alabama had a big win, but you think they should be a little worried about their defense allowing 48 to Ole Miss? Um, not only did they give up 48 points, they they
1: gave up. Uh, the, it was the highest combined yardage in the history of the SEC, supposedly. Um, it was It was just, a, I mean, they, Alabama gave up 31 first downs. Alabama had 37. Alabama had 723 yards, but they gave up 650 yards. I mean, these numbers, I mean, people are saying, what's 650? I mean, that's Astronomal. insane. Remember, I told you, <laughs> the Redskins had, or Washington had 100 yards for an entire yeah. game. <laughs> and Mississippi had 647 yards. And it was like one of those games where it's just back and forth, back and forth. And uh, Matt Jones, and you're looking. At him and I'm, I'm also thinking, wow, I mean, when Matt Jones came in for that game after Tua got hurt and they ended up losing to Auburn, that was a chance I think they won that game. I mean, Alabama potentially could have won the national championship because he looks – he was 28 for 32, missed only four incompletions. He had two touchdowns, 417, and just a tremendous game from him. And Mississippi under Lane Kiffin, again, Nick Saban has never lost an assistant coach that he had. So he had that <laughs> aspect of the game. But, you no, know, clearly Alabama's defense is just – I mean – a mess also. I mean, every one of these defenses we're talking about are just, I, these scores are through the roof.
0: And like you said, this is supposed to be NFL-ready players huh? yes, on these yes. defenses. Um, maybe we uh, maybe we put the jinx and the kibosh on University of Tennessee last week, because they uh, took a drubbing versus Georgia.
1: They were they were, they were were up at halftime 21-17, but then they let Georgia score 27 second-half points. Tennessee, for the years, I mean, remember Tennessee used to have some great running backs. They had 27 carries for negative one yards. Yeah. They can't get the running game going. Um, and Georgia Georgia's defense, now, this is what I'm going to say, is of all the teams that look like they had defense of all the top tier SEC teams, Georgia's defense looks maybe better than everyone. So now this weekend is going to be one of the biggest games, you know, one of the, you know, the game of the century is that Georgia plays at Alabama. Now, if Georgia can stop Alabama and they can somehow still score, then I still think Alabama wins this game. But, uh, but, but Georgia looked good that game, and now Georgia's going to play at Alabama this week in one of the biggest games you know, of the year.
0: And we also got to see uh, Arkansas and Auburn.
1: I, I picked that game because I wanted to say that Arkansas had a chance to beat Auburn. Auburn's 13-2-1. Yeah. At the end of the game... Bo Nix for Auburn down. It was a terrible call because he went to down the ball. He they was downing the ball and they were kicking a field goal to 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 take the lead to win the game. So he throws the ball. He he fumbles the ball, then throws it backwards, which is not a pass. It's a it's a fumble back Damn. and they blew it dead. And then they let him have kick the field goal to win. And it's so unfair. Like Arkansas, it was like the worst call. Like he fumbled the ball twice <laughs> and it should have been Arkansas balls. And they they had they reviewed it, but they couldn't give the ball. I just thought Arkansas it was a total robbery. I felt terrible about that.
0: Um, so how's the SEC looking right now?
1: It's just Georgia and Florida and the SEC East. It's Georgia three and O, Florida two and one, Tennessee two and one. Everybody else is one and two. What's interesting is that the SEC this year, Kentucky gets a win now. Missouri. These teams aren't bad. It used to be the bottom of the conference was a little like they're, They now can beat anybody. You saw what Mississippi did, and the and the SEC West. It's Bam at three and O, AM's two and A and M is two and one, and Auburn's two and one. Everybody else is one and two. So everybody only Vanderbilt's like the only really bad team in the SEC. So that should be and that's. They only play each other. So there's going to be seven games each week. SEC
0: teams playing. It's going to be fun to watch this. Let's go to the ACC here. I wasn't anticipating that Miami was going to beat Clemson. I didn't think it'd be 42-17, to 17, though, Ira. It wasn't just 42-17. I felt like Clemson left a lot of points on the board. I mean, it was at,
1: at, they were killing them in the first half, and then they tried a 65-yard field goal at the end of the first half and it was blocked, and Miami ran it back for a <laughs> touchdown, which Dabba Sweeney, they interviewed him, and they go, what do you think about that play? They were interviewing me, he goes, it the dumbest thing I've ever done. The coach Dabba said it. I mean, at one point in the first half, uh, Clemson had around 38 plays for 204 yards and 38 plays, and Miami had run 12 for 11. So they're out being out game 204 to 11. Uh, Miami looked just... Again, all the mistakes. I mean, Miami keeps talking and talking and talking, and they can never deliver when it, they just go against a competition like this. Um, Derek King was fumbling the ball. They couldn't move it. And then also the penalties, the targeting penalties. You saw every time Lawrence, is like they were headhunting and they were getting two of their players get tossed for the game. You can't do this. You just cannot play like that. The penalties, the mistakes, the turnovers against a team like Clemson is just going to avoid them. And if Miami wants to be an elite team, they, they can't play like that.
0: No discipline. Um, Let's go Florida State and Notre Dame. I know Florida State's not what they were, you know, in years past, but still it's a nice win for Notre Dame. It was a good win. Florida State's having trouble. And I think that, you know, when you say Florida, when
1: you're, uh, Florida State's perspective is like, oh, we, we're sort of in this game. I mean, they fell to one and three. I mean, that's not good. I mean, Florida State used to never lose games. I mean, they're in the top five. It seems like 25 years in a row. Um, but, uh, um, but Notre Dame is one of those teams. I mean, that's, it's going to be in a few weeks, it'll be Notre Dame Clemson. And I think Clemson's at Notre Dame. That's going to be, you know, one of those like the Georgia
0: Alabama games. I don't know how North Carolina is as good as they are. They just never have been for my entire life. But they're rolling and they beat a good Virginia team, a Virginia Tech team.
1: Well, real quick, we're going to talk about Oklahoma, Texas, and Matt. I mean Matt Brown, the coach of North Carolina, was at North Carolina. Went to Texas. They got rid of him. Um, and they bring him back, and he's done a, what a job with North Carolina. The first time in, I think, 30 years in the top five, yeah. and uh, they look great. They had two running backs who each ran for 150 yards, and they Sam Howell's a good quarterback, and now you really have Clemson, North Carolina, Notre Dame, all these three good SEC team, ACC teams. What are we looking for uh, this week? Well, I, I just think, in generally, the, the um, Pitt's going to be at Miami, and it's a must-win. I mean, Pitt's not that bad. Pitts had these two close losses. Uh, Miami cannot. Miami has to rebound. They can't. Last year, the season went off the rails. They started losing to everybody. This is going to be. This is one of those things. Okay, we got blown up by Clemson. They have to regroup. This is a must-win. They're playing at twelve o'clock. It's going to be hot. Um, it's this is a, this is their whole season. They lose this game, everything goes away
0: for the. Oh yeah, season. It, it, you can go ahead and hang it up. Um, before we get to baseball, let's talk Big Twelve. Well, it's really, we're ending with
1: Big 12 because that they, now Texas and Oklahoma are both 2-2. Two and two. Uh, Texas beat um, Oklahoma beat Texas 53-45 in four overtimes. The game lasted like five hours long. It was just unbelievable to watch. I've been watching all these games. I think two <laughs> other games went in, and just both teams stink. Both teams have terrible defense, Um, and Spencer Rattler, who was supposed to be the Heisman Trophy, he's been, would be the fourth candidate, they actually pulled him from the game like Jimmy G style, because he was turning the ball over so much, and Sam Ellinger, the senior from Texas, was supposed to be so great, he was terrible, I mean, he was terrible, but not enough to win the game, not when they had to make the plays, uh, and to win, and uh, it was... uh, it was just one of those things where Oklahoma in the fourth overtime was able just to withstand it. But it was such a long game. And now the Big 12 is really not going. Oklahoma State's undefeated, but I don't think they're going to get credit. I don't see the Big 12 being in the College Football Bowl Playoff. It's going to be really in two weeks, we're going to get the Big 10 playing. And in, a, in three weeks, we're going to get the Pac-12 playing. And it's going to be the SEC, ACC, Big 12. Uh, they can just... They're not going to play
0: it be a factor at all. So, Ira, we got just about seven minutes left. It's crazy how fast uh, time goes here. But let's get into baseball, and uh, we're in the ALCS and the NLCS. We're going to see Atlanta and LA get started in just about 15 minutes or so. Well, we've already got two games in the books with Tampa and Houston. Let's talk about how we got here. Well, really what it is, I mean, Miami,
1: you know, it's it's frustrating because Miami, I felt like, had that chances that yeah. first game against Atlanta. They scored the five runs, and you know, the Braves pitching was so great, they scored five runs, but after that they were they were shut out by Ian Anderson and Kyle Wright uh, two games in a row, 2 nothing and 7 nothing. So it was just one of those things where they just, you know, I think that Miami should be happy. Isn't like we're not about the heat right here. They're so young, their pitchers played well, um, and Atlanta's just, a be- Atlanta's just a better team. And the fact that the Braves got pitching from Wright, Anderson, and Max Freed, three good pitchers. And Travis Dernot, the former Met, everybody remembers him. Wow. I mean, he was six for ten with three doubles, two home runs, and seven RBIs in the whole sweep. So that was a good win for them. And then the fact is the Dodgers are just, and that's who I think are tremendous. They play the Padres. Everyone thinks the, uh, you know, this is going to be the, the... I thought it would be a close series close series, but Bueller comes in, pitches well that first game. They win 5-1. In the second game, this was that classic 6-5 where uh, Bellinger, the top of the seventh, Tatis hits the ball. Bellinger climbs the, you know, Bully Mays style almost. Mm-hmm. Well, not Bully Mays, but climbs the wall and catches the ball, brings that down. And then he Bellinger played great. And then the fact that Jansen was, you know, he he blew the lead. They had the lead in the ninth inning. Jansen, their closer, blows it. But then they're able to bring other pitchers in. They end up winning that game 6-5. And then game three, the Dodgers, they used May. They used actually May as an opener, just using a bunch of their great pitchers, and just blew them out 12-3. Justin Turner, Will Smith at five hits. Um, it wasn't even close. So in a series that we thought was going to be a good series, Dodgers just blow them out. And and I and I love the Dodgers to beat the Braves. I think that as much as people say the Braves have this great pitching, the Dodgers have great pitching – their pitching is better, and I think that their hitting is much better. I
0: think it's going to be a sweep. The only issue is that bullpen, and you can't be very comfortable with Kenley Jansen having the ball at all in his hands now. So if there is a chink in the armor, it's going to be that, but it's going to be tough to beat that team. Uh, let's go to the AL. Well, Houston wins. Houston and Oakland,
1: Uh yeah, that game, it went four games. I mean, those were two sweeps in the nationally, and it went four games. And I just felt like it's when Oakland's one of those teams that gets the playoffs, it seems like almost every year, and just can't get over the hump, can't yeah. get in that. And Houston's pitching, I mean, this is a team that we saw Lance McCullers pitch well uh, in that win. He, I mean, he got hit hard. He pitched well today, uh, but he got hit hard in game one, but they were able to hold on to win. But it was just like, uh, it, it, but it was just like one of those series where they, you know, won three out of four. But uh, you're, you're like, you know, I think the pressure on Houston has been, and we're seeing the series is that everyone knows you cheated. Now it's, you know, to win. And now you're not cheating to win. And what's going to be like that. So I felt like, you know, winning those games, it was like one of those series where they have these hitters, Altuve, Brantley, They we see them here down in West Palm beach. They're, they're a great hitting team. They just got enough pitching to beat the A's.
0: Uh, let's talk Yankees and Rays. Cause this was a, uh, like a stab in my heart last week. Kyra was not fun. Well, I mean, it was,
1: it was just the classic of all classics. And, uh uh, you know, they were playing, it was, the, it was the first time the Yankees were, they played this in San Diego. So it was the first time they wore pinstripes away from the stadium since like 1998. Uh, the Tampa Bay had a 29 million payroll, 28th out of 30th in major leagues, while the Yankees had the third biggest payroll. Uh, but the Rays had beat the Yankees eight out of 10 games. And I really felt, you know, that the Yankees were going to pull this off. And uh, But, you know, Cole, Cole did not have his best stuff. Uh, but he was able to hang on that game one. So you get your win. Garrett Cole, you get your win in game one. If Rays come back and win 9-3. Rays come back and win 7-5. The second one, um, just a complete disaster in terms of, you know, that's the game where they um, where they started Debbie Garcia. So I think it's, it all yeah. fell apart in that game, too, when the Yankees decided instead of starting Jay Happ, who said, I don't like to come in as a reliever. Well, they start Debbie Garcia, the rookie, and he was terrible at the beginning. They bring Happ in. Happ is bad. It was terrible. And everyone's saying, What are the Yankees doing? Like, just go and win games. You have st- everyone's hitting home runs, you're healthy, and you're just getting too cute. And Aaron Boone just threw away that game. And Tyler Glasso pitched just as well. But the Yankees lose 7-5. And that was just it was just a weird type of game because you're like, the Yankees, you're up 1-0 in the series. You just had Cole pitch. Just you know, finish it off. And then you get then, then the game three was bad because Look, I'm not sold on Tanaka. I think Tanaka is bad. I don't and, know if they're going to re-sign him. And, I mean, he just, I mean, his four hits, four innings pitch, eight hits, five runs, he was just totally blown out. You know, they are just, it, was, it wasn't was even close, even though Stanton now had, you know, six home runs and 13 hours. So now they go down. So now they're, you know, two, they are uh, they're, you know, they go down 2-1. They win. Game four, uh, you know, and playing that game in terms of Ch- Chapman was brought in for the forwarding game save. Lee, setting up for game five. So your game five, you finally get Cole. So as much as the Yankees have totally made a mess of the series, which they shouldn't have, then you have Cole pitching game five on short rest. This is his first time ever to pitch on short rest. And then they brought in uh, and then so he, p- he pitches on short rest and just uh, unfortunately they lose 2-1. Just yeah. a crazy game.
0: He called everything he could. He beat Shane Bieber. He beat Blake Snell, and he could have beaten Glass now had the Yankees managed to get any kind of run support for him. So, you know, you can't take anything away from him. It's just strange decisions by Boone, and it just didn't work out for
1: yeah, us. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the key of that was when they bring – like, not knowing how to use his bullpen. I mean, Aaron Boone just seems to not know. He's pushing he every, every button he pushed was wrong, <laughs> and it was worse than Roberts because he brings in Chapman early. and seventh inning. And the in the seventh inning, goal. and then he goes against Mike Briseau, who they've had that big fight because they he, he tried to hit him on the head. we hit him with a the, with the ball in terms of 100 miles an hour, and there's, there's the bad blood between them. And then it's 1-1 one, one in a 1-1-1 one, one, one game, and you know, Briseau hits the home run in the, in the, in the eighth inning in order. And, and bring him back. You know, Chapman, you saw him from last year with the Astros. He doesn't pitch well in two innings. He does not. They keep yeah. putting him in these t- situations, and he keeps not performing well. He's a one-inning pitcher. That's it. And bring him at the start of the inning, and that's it. Don't bring him in yeah, the middle no of the inning. no innings yeah. No middle, and don't have him sit down and come back. I mean, he is lights out if you just pitch him one inning. And instead, Aaron Boone has now lost two playoff series in a row in last year and this year, which is, I don't understand how he's still the manager.
0: I, I, I do think that this should cost him his job between the pitching decisions, those two games. And it's not like the Yankees' bullpen has bums in it there's a lot of guys who can throw. It wasn't like desperation needing your closer there, absolutely ridiculous, and I knew we were probably going to lose as soon as that happened. Um so we're two games in the books already in the ALCS as Tampa gets their second win today. Amazing catch by Manny Margot if you haven't seen that go ahead and google it. But uh here we are and it looks like Houston might already be done before it's starting. Well they won yesterday 2-1. Remember, they're not taking any days off.
1: They just play all time. So so Tampa Tampa wins, which I'm sure Major League Baseball was Furious about because you would love to have the Yankees in this again, the Yankees in Houston, and then the Yankees and Dodgers, not Tampa. So Tampa wins two one in the first game, and then as arena as arena for the Rays just is just hitting the cover off the ball, just tremendous. And then game two, which today, Margot has a three run home run, and then he comes back and he's go he's in left field and right field, right field, yeah. right field and and. I don't know why the park at San Diego is like that, where there's like this hole and and he, it's, it's like dangerous. He fell over <laughs> the thing into. I mean, it wasn't. Does he reached over where the fans are? I couldn't. I mean, I've watched part Patrick games. I don't realize like it can't be safe to have a twenty like foot drop. Yes, and he and he still <laughs> he's still hung on the ball. Well, tonight though, we're going to get the exciting thing about tonight is the first game with fans. So they're going to have yep. fans in the in uh, the American, the, it's weird. The National League is playing in Texas. So the Braves, uh, ga- Dodgers are going to play in front of 15,000 fans. And then the World Series, it's the, glo- it's the new stadium for Texas. So they're going to play in that new stadium and then they're going to play the World Series there also. So that'll be this. We get to see fans
0: tonight. Talk about a treat for people that just happen to be living in Texas or around the stadium. I saw where the Teams prices even weren't there. even bad. The, really? It was like a couple hundred
1: bucks to sit behind home plate, which is, if that was like... surprise you're not there. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> um,
0: um, let's talk. Uh, let's talk French Open here, because um, I know you were glued to this as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is. We talked about this before. This is like Jack and Tiger playing in their prime. Jordan and LeBron. It, when you have a situation where you have three players who are all have the claim to be the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Uh, Federer's at 20 titles. Uh, Nadal was at 19, and Djokovic at 17. And you have Djokovic and Nadal. Djokovic I and mean, Nadal won, made it his 20th. Now that means he's tied with Federer at 20 apiece, and no one else is even close, and no one in my rest of my lifetime will ever be close. And Nadal now is 124-2 and two on clay in five-set matches. He's 99-2 and two at the French. Uh, his only loss was to Djokovic and uh, Robert Sutherland. Uh, it was he's now it was his thirteenth title, thirteenth title in French Open, De Borg six. They faced each other fifty-six times. Jokers led 29-27, but he but he did win fourteen in the last eighteen, and they just played in the Australian Open and Djokovic beat Nadal ra- rather handily. But this match was not even close. It was over in a couple hours. It was six-o the first set, six two the second, and seven five in the third, and, and really wasn't even that close. it was a point where Nadal made out of 183 points, 14 airs, Djokovic made fifty-two. Um, and it was like one of those things where Djokovic, it, they're, Nadal's 34, Djokovic's 33. You just don't know how much longer they're going to play. You'll never see this again. And it was just a treat. just hoped you were going to see this great match, and you just didn't get a great match out of it.
0: What's going on in golf? Um,
1: well, it's interesting. They played the Shriners Classic. Matthew Laird won. Uh, he was ranked 354th in the world. It's next week. They're playing the CJ Cup at Shadow Creek, and usually these are not good tournaments. Like, these are the fall tournaments that aren't. But every major golfer is there, except for Bryson and Tiger. I mean, you have Berger, Finau, Fleetwood, Fowler, uh, uh, McIlroy, uh, Matthew Wolfe, Spieth, uh, Brooks Kepka, John Rahm. Uh, all this weekend, and then it's getting set up for in a couple weeks. You're going to have uh, the Masters in the mid November 12th to 15th. There'd be three weeks. But what's interesting is that Fitzpatrick was playing in the European Open and made a comment about Bryson DeChambeau, saying it's not skill what he's playing. So you're finally getting some trash talking <laughs> in golf because he said it's not what Bryson DeChambeau is not not it's not skill. Then Justin Thomas comes on and say, "Look, he's hitting the ball farther than anyone. It clearly is skill. It's what it is all about." And it's interesting. You're going to get Kepka saying stuff. I mean, Everybody is saying stuff. It's it's you're, it's almost professional wrestling style. Bryson has really put this, and now everyone's building up for this master because Bryson played the first round. He shot a 62. Then he shot a 66. And in the final, he finished, I think, in eighth place. So he didn't win it, but he was, I mean, there were holes where he was like trying everything out. Like it, that par 4, 380, he, he drove it, the whole hole, mm-hmm. <laughs> on the green, and then like hit a golfer. And then even during the driving range, he was hitting at someone's house and like pounding their house with golf balls and things like that. <laughs> so it'll be real. I mean, this master's is shaping up to be like, in just one of the greatest golf tournaments of all time.
0: And finally, what's going on in the auto racing?
1: Well, you know how I like Formula One, and it was, at, it was at Nuremberg and Hamilton finally tied. Schumacher finally, he's in his 30s, but he found Schumacher is the greatest race car, the most Formula One wins ever uh, in, in that, and so he's probably on his way to win his seventh title. And Schumacher, who is Injured in a, in a skiing accident His son brought his helmet all signed by him beforehand Met with Hamilton Hamilton, It was really touching for Schumacher's son to do that And then in NASCAR, there's only four races left Chase Elliott won this hybrid road course um, And they eliminated Kyle Busch Last year's championship was eliminated There's eight drivers left uh, And they go to Kansas next week And Texas, Martinsville, and Phoenix So the NASCAR's you know, ready to, to crown their champion In less than a month Ira, what are you doing this week? watching baseball every day, watching <laughs> football tonight, watching, you know, excited for college football. you got Alabama, Georgia. You have, and then you have, the you know, of course, the uh, Brady-Rogers uh, game next Sunday. Steelers play the Browns. Just tons of sports. Can't wait.
0: We are out of time, though, on behalf of Ira on Mike. Let's talk next Monday night, Ira on Sports.